welcome to another episode of Living and Alter Life. My name is Mike, and I'm your host, and I am excited to be bringing you a slightly different podcast this week, but I'm sure you guys will catch on. A lot of you know I also write for an online publication called Medium, and then they have online publications within that. I write a lot of articles for Runner's Life. Every once in a while, though, I like to kind of venture out and write one, you know, for different publications and stuff. And so I wrote this article a little while back for an online publication called Publishes. And this article took off. It got copied by the Becoming Minimalist webpage. And it's probably my most widely read article. It's only been published for a little over two weeks. And it already has over 6,000 reads pretty excited about it. And I think it's because it speaks to where we are as a culture today. It's very much based from my running life. As a lot of you know, I draw a lot of inspiration and a lot of life secrets from being out running a lot. And so the name of this article is Embrace a Lifestyle of Slowing Down in a World of Hurry Up. And that is what I feel a lot these days is that we're just in this world of everything is about hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. I just think that if we could learn to practice this art of slowing down, that could change our lives in a way that many of us don't even think about. So just to kind of set the scene and everything, I am not a slow down type of person. In my 20s, I was in a mad dash to escape from everything. First, I practiced escaping by drinking excessively and consuming as many mind-altering drugs as I could possibly get into my body. It was all about escaping, and I'm not really sure what I was escaping from, but I knew I was escaping. After waking up to the reality that this was a dead-end alley filled with obstacles to life, I, of course, then began to do the next thing that we all do as 20-year-olds. I began to chase wealth and fame. Because I thought, well, if I become wealthy, then, you know, everything's going to be awesome and my life will be settled. In my 30s, I never slowed down because I was a salesperson and I knew the next big sale that would make me famous and popular was right around the corner. In my 40s, my headlong chase of riches and fame came crashing down in a brilliant destruction of burnout, physically, mentally, spiritually, I mean, it was the best flame out you've ever done in your life. I mean, when I do things, I do it right. And so, of course, my burnout was complete, man. I mean, it was it was done right. It was a total, complete burnout in every way. And, of course, I brought my loving, beautiful wife, Jenny, along with me for the ride of burning out. Then you kind of have to rebuild your life after your burnout. So in my early 50s, as I recovered from burnout, once again, I began to do what? I began to chase fame and popularity again, thinking these would ease my addled mind. Notice the pattern here? You know, it's, it, it's like the more you chase after something and put all of your effort into it, the more it seems to just delude you. And that's, that's kind of true of a lot of things. As I go further into this podcast, you're going to kind of see something. For me, something incredibly, I can only describe it as magical. It happened around my 55th birthday. I was running a mountain trail in the glorious beauty of the Bighorn Mountains of Wyoming. I'd been running ultramarathons at this point for a couple of years. I want to say that this was probably, I'd probably been running them for five years at this point. I'm now in year 12 of running ultramarathons. I have no idea. How old am I? I'm 59. I started running ultras when I was 50. Oh, nine years. Yes, 
Yeah, I, math, math eludes me. But anyway, I started running ultramarathons when I was 50. I'm in my ninth year of running ultramarathons. But something just incredibly magical happened around my 55th birthday. I had been experiencing a lot of DNFs at this point in my life, and I was very, very frustrated. I couldn't figure out how to conquer all these crazy cutoff times. So I was out running this trail, and it has this really cool switchback section. It's the Grouse Mountain Trail outside of Buffalo, Wyoming. You start in Clear Creek, and it's just, it's a beautiful run up. And I'm on this switchback section heading up. And, you know, sometimes you get this, like, still small voice that I've learned very much to pay attention to in my life. And I heard this kind of still small voice that said, slow down. And I'm thinking, slow down. I am, I'm trying to push pace here, man. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, learn how to push pace so I can not miss these cutoffs and everything that I keep on missing. And, you know, at first I thought it was kind of crazy, but then I thought, you know what? I, I've learned to identify this still small voice. Maybe I should pay attention. So I started to slow down through the switchbacks instead of my usual, you know, breakneck speed, which most of you who are fast would laugh and say, yes, Mike, you know, 10 minutes per mile is not breakneck speed. For me, breakneck speed is 10 minutes per mile. But I I slowed way down. And it was just the weirdest thing because it seemed like the sky became bluer. It seemed like the smell of the pine trees became more intense. And I was like, wow, this is really different. This is This is a good feeling. And I just continued to pursue this slow down mindset. Now, part of my brain at this point was thinking, okay, I've set a goal for, you know, four hours for this 20-mile run, and with this slowdown stuff, man, there's no way I'm going to hit it. But I I purposely continued to shut down that speed-up part of my brain, and I concentrated more and more on slowing down. And it was really strange because my body became less tense, my steps became more nimble as I jumped over roots and rocks that normally tripped me up. And my breathing going up the switchback became less labored. Now, if any of you who are coaches, run coaches, and that kind of stuff can explain that to me, go ahead, because I don't understand it. I don't understand how your body can become more relaxed and you seem to be running with a... with a better gait and a better stride than when you're rushing through it. I have no idea. So I'm still going, okay, we're going to, we're going to pursue this slow slowdown thing. So I took and I turned my GPS watch around on my wrist. So usually my GPS watch sits up on the top of my wrist, you know, so kind of picture your hand and my watch sits on the opposite side of your palm. All right. On my wrist, on my left wrist, it's where it's always sat and everything. And I literally took and I turned my watch around. So the watch face was even with my palm because I didn't want to glance at it. I didn't want to glance at pace. I didn't want to think about how I was running. And I just, I continued to just purposely slow down. And when I say slow down, I don't know so much that I was slowing down the pace, but I was slowing down. My heart rate slowed down. My breathing became so much less labored. And I just got this overwhelming sense of peace flowing through my body as I slowed down. So I made it out of the switchbacks and I continued upward to the crest of Grouse Mountain. And then I went down the other side into what's called Moisture Gulch. 
I hit the turnaround at the creek crossing, which I knew from having done this route a couple times, that that was about 10 miles. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to glance at my watch, see how I was doing. I have never run. This is an uphill portion of the trail. This is pretty much a climb for 10 miles, you know, with a couple downhills. But I mean, you're, you're climbing for about 10 miles. So I'd never done this run to the creek in two and a half hours before. I'd never been less than two and a half hours. So when I glanced at my watch and I saw that I'd just done it in a little more than an hour and a half, I'm sitting there tapping my watch to make sure it was still working because I thought my watch was broken. And so I was like, well, that was kind of cool. So I decided to practice this slowing down thing on my way back down Grouse Mountain Trail and into Clear Creek Trail into Buffalo. And I'm thinking the whole time, and I'm thinking there's no way I'm going to hit the four-hour mark. I mean, I went through the switchbacks on the way down, and it was the most natural that I've ever run the switchbacks. And I love these switchbacks because those of you who are in Wyoming, no Grouse Mountain Trail, know that the switchbacks are just, they're just fun. They're just an absolute blast. But I returned to my truck and I turned off my watch. And as I turned off my watch, I was like, wow, I just did this thing in like two hours and 58 minutes. I was under three hours. Keep in mind, I've never done this run in less than four hours. But the biggest bonus to me was I felt like I could run another 20 miles. I mean, I didn't feel like I'd ran 20 miles at all. I was like, wow, this, there's something to this. And that was kind of my pursuit of the art of slowing down. So I've studied this whole slow down thing a lot. You guys know that I read obsessively. So I looked up the definition of slow down and vocabulary.com has just a fantastic definition of it. Their definition is become less tense, rest or take one's ease. And the way they explained it, it's the essence of what it will take to engage in a lifestyle of slowing down. You have to become less tense. So being a runner who does everything possible to avoid running on the treadmill, I also kind of enjoy Berkeley Wellbeing's article, Slowing Down, 14 Science-Based Ways to Enjoy Life. Highly recommend it. The author is a name, and I'm going to butcher the first name. It's spelled T-C-H-I-K-I, Davis, Chicky, maybe? I don't know. But uh, Davis began the article with, Do you feel like you're constantly running on the treadmill of life? Now, for those who haven't had the joy of running on a treadmill, Imagine staring at the same wall for hours, you're running your little legs off, and you never get anywhere. All right? Sound like life a little bit? Because at the end of running on the treadmill, you've seen nothing but the same wall. You're in the exact same place as you started, and now you're tired. That's life, y'all. That's life. So the biggest thing I learned through the adventure of COVID, and I prefer to look at it, at it as an adventure of COVID, and I'm also encouraging people to, what did you learn through COVID? Instead of whining and complaining about COVID, what did you learn? I, I have learned a ton, you know, through the adventure of COVID. So the biggest thing I learned is that I alone am responsible for my mental and physical health. To expect the medical community, family, friends, workplace, government to be responsible for my well-being is disingenuous and careless. Davis's definition of what it means to slow down is perfectly phrased. She said, it's not being slow that we're seeking necessarily. It's the feeling that we have time to do the things that matter. Want me to say it again? 
being slow is not the intention of slowing down. It's the feeling that you have time to do the things that matter. When I was running that trail outside Buffalo, Wyoming, the feeling that I had time to do what mattered got me to slow down and observe the life around me. That was the beginning. As I have run longer and longer distances successfully from that point, I've also found a way of life that brings me enormous peace. I've been told by people that I've become more mindful and even that I'm becoming minimalist. And I'm totally cool if people need to put a label on what is happening in my life. I'm kind of a no-labels type of person. Ultimately, all I know is that I'm a lot less frustrated and irritated by drivers cutting me off on the highway. I'm less irritated by people who believe they're entitled to free stuff off my hard work. And I'm really a lot less irritated by the irresponsible way that all governments the world over handle the generous taxes that we all pay each year. The peace that passes understanding... It isn't just a cute bumper sticker and motivational saying any longer. The more that I continue to practice the art of slowing down, the more I see changes in my life that I have always wanted to see. So I remember as a little boy sitting and watching my artist mom put paint to canvas and recreate scenic views that we had seen on our camping trips. And she would apply paint to canvas with careful brush strokes. And I was just amazed that a blank canvas could produce a Rocky Mountain meadow replete with brightly colored wildflowers and the dead tree down by the slowly meandering river that I vaguely remembered seeing as we explored. And my mom brought this to life on a blank canvas. So I began thinking about this art of slowing down. And I remembered how my mom and later a college art professor that I really should seek forgiveness from they tried to teach me five basic brush strokes and techniques. So what I've done is I've translated these five basic brush strokes and techniques into five slow down movements. And these aren't meant to be in any order, but they're what I found to be the most beneficial. So the first thing is to learn the power of the pause. And basically what this means is choose to pause intentionally throughout your day. For me, what, the, what happens when, I, when I'm like knee deep in a project and I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I quote this thing to win it? And how do I make sure that you know, the fixtures ship yeah, in the right time and everything? When I'm frantically trying to figure things out, what I do is I step back and I pause. And I intentionally do not let my mind think about the thing that I'm trying to accomplish. I slow my thoughts down. And I just pause. And it is amazing how when I step back up to the project that I'm working on, my decision making is incredibly better. The second thing that I think is you know, part of this art of slowing down is visualize being someplace peaceful. We are living in an increasingly hectic and chaotic world. So to learn how to visualize a place that brings powerful feelings of peace will do wonders for you. Like for me, I, I'm sorry, but you know, I love the Bighorn Mountains. And so I visualize the Bighorn Mountains a lot. But you know, when I was on Swami's Shuffle 200 in February, man, there were some really incredible peaceful times. I got to experience some of the most intense beautiful sunrises and sunsets that I have ever experienced in my lifetime. 
And so when I feel like, you know, I'm stepping into this hectic and chaotic world, I step back and I visualize the sunsets, I visualize the sunrises, I visualize the beauty of the Bighorn Mountains, and man, everything just seems to just settle into place. Now the third thing, and I, I know you'll be amazed at this, but it's go outside. You guys know I love to be outside. But I'm telling you, if you decide to just take 30 minutes every day and go outside, you will be amazed at what will change in your life. By purposely going outside and doing something, I don't care what it is, run, walk, skip, stand in the grass barefoot, go outside for 30 minutes. You're going to be amazed at what happens in your body. All right, fourth thing, and this is going to be hard for a lot of the uh, younger people. It's not so hard for those of us who are you know, a little bit older in other words, my age, into your late 50s and 60s, put your daggone electronic leash down. Yes, I'm talking about your phone. I'm talking about your tablets. I'm talking about staring at your stupid computer screen. Put the electronic stuff down. Stop staring at your GPS watch. I cannot tell you how many times I go for a run. I don't even turn the stupid thing on. It's there as a clock. That's it. I don't worry about pace. I really could care less where I run. Turn the electronic devices off. Stop scrolling because every time that you sit there and you get into Facebook or Instagram or MySpace or I don't even know that there's so many Snapchat is one somebody told me about the other day. I'm like, I don't know what it is. Telegram, WhatsApp. There's like all these things out there. I have no clue what they are because I'm, I'm dense when it comes to that and I don't care about that I'm really not concerned about being dense. This is an area I want to be dense in. But what happens when you're scrolling, you know, and you're just kind of flipping through the scrolling, you're allowing your electronic device to control your emotions. Think about that for a second. This is one of my favorite things to do. Slow down your thoughts. This is the last tip I'm going to give you. Slow down your thoughts by slowing down your breathing. So, we see in our society more anxiousness and stress and depression than I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I've been here a while, so I think I can say ever in my lifetime. Learn to control your anxious thoughts by slowing down your breathing. And what's going to happen is that's going to relax you throughout. Every part of you is just going to relax. Those are my five tips for slowing down. Embrace this lifestyle. It doesn't make much sense to me how my running has actually gotten much better as I embrace this whole lifestyle of slowing down. I am faster than I've ever been before. I have my my best 100 time prior to this was 30 hours. I've now finished a 100 miler in 26:15. I finished a 200 miler. I have gotten my 50k um, personal best time. I've got my 50 mile personal best time. I'm, I'm, I'm like going, what is going on, man? Because I shouldn't be getting faster by slowing down. I do know that running is just a tiny part of my life. And it's just one tiny part of my life that's gotten better since I've learned to slow down. I don't make a lot of promises. But I do promise you that if you are intentional about slowing down, Many things in your life are going to see a marked improvement. And I will absolutely guarantee you that if you learn to slow down, you are going to see a ton 
of changes, and they'll all be good. So that's it for this week's episode of Living and Ultra Life. We'll be back to guests soon. I just wanted to just do a couple of these myself. So don't worry. We got some cool guests getting lined up here for the near future. Continue to listen. Man, I'm telling you, I'm so excited about where this podcast has gone in the short time that it's been alive. And uh, I just so much appreciate all of you guys that listen to this and send me little comments. I, I got a comment the other day that's like, you know, Mike, you're a dork. But some of the stuff you say makes sense. And I don't mind you calling me a dork. I hope everybody's enjoying the Living an Ultra Life podcast. That's it for this week's episode. We will catch you on the other side.